back to the Beef Up Front podcast. This is your host, Ryan Coyle, and tonight I'm joined by Josh Nolan again as we go into our second episode of our new series, uh, the Philly Hoops Landscape Series. Uh, our first episode, we broke down Villanova. That got some good views, a lot of uh, attention, so uh, thank you guys for tuning into that one. Tonight, we're going to be hitting up uh, the Temple Owls. Uh, before we get started, though, Josh, uh, anything you want to anything you want to say? Um, yeah, thanks for having me again, Ryan. Um, yeah, I'm excited to uh, get back into this. Um, you know, episode two of our little mini series here. Um, should be an interesting one. Uh, I think a lot, a lot to talk about here. Maybe some constructive criticism for Temple, but um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And uh, I'm excited to kind of dive into it. Yeah, I think this. I think going forward, it's going to be uh, Villanova. Everyone really kind of knows the majority about them. These next few, I think, really going to be uh, people will be able to learn some stuff if they're if they're tuned in throughout the whole show. So it'll be cool to kind of break down these teams who aren't necessarily top of their conference every year, like Villanova is. And uh, so we'll start it off with Temple. Uh, we're just going to go through the same kind of uh, outline that we did last time, and we're going to start it off with I'm going to break down the head coach, head coach Aaron McKee. Went 14 and 17 in his first year as the head coach uh, last year after taking over for Fran Dunphy. He was a longtime assistant under Dunphy and eventually got the head coaching job after Dunphy stepped aside. Uh, he went 6 and 12 in conference, 14 and 17 overall. Uh, he's a former Temple guard. He's from Philadelphia. He went to Simon Gratz High School. So he's got that Philly connection already to him. And then on top of that, he played for the Sixers. So. He's played from high school through the NBA, all, all in Philadelphia at one point. So that's that's uh, really big, I think. I think that's going to be able to help him recruit the area kind of show. All right, you get these uh, really good high school players from Philadelphia. I can show them that they can reach their dreams and reach their goals by coming and playing at Temple and eventually going to the NBA. I think that's going to be big. And he'll be able to have that. He already has that Philadelphia connection kind of, so. He's going to be able to recruit the area well, I think, going forward. Uh, but I also think Temple fans need to be patient with him as a coach as he builds the program with his guys. I mean, we've seen over over time throughout uh, not only college football, college basketball, NBA, NFL, it takes time to kind of build, build your program up and really get your guys in the building, the ones that you want uh, to fit your scheme and fit your system and Aaron McKee, I think, is going to want to play an up-and-down, fast-paced game. And Fran Dunphy kind of had a more traditional half-court style uh, system. And he didn't really have these big-time athletic players, more so like fundamental guys, I think you could say. So I think McKee, in order to really take Temple over to new heights and uh, reach the goals that he has for the program, he's going to be able, going to, be able to uh, recruit his type of player. and. Fans might be upset with 14 and 17 in the first year. I don't think this year they'll be much better, maybe even worse after some key losses that we'll touch on shortly. But I think over time he's going to be able to get uh, Temple back to relevancy nationally and competing for um, NCAA tournament bursts every year. Yeah, and um, so, yeah, basically, with basically any coach that you have, you know, you're going to want to give at least a year or two grace period. Um, you know, it's going to take a while for a guy taking over a program to, um, you know, to really kind of 
uh, get a feel for things, get in touch with his players. You know, a lot of these guys are, you know, people that um, weren't recruited to play or, you know, all of them last, in last year's case. And uh, still a lot of them this year are going to be guys who are, you know, not who to play in, in the system. Uh, but, but that being said, you know, I think it's important to mention that, you know, Aaron McKee's a guy who comes from the Fran Duffy coaching tree. He's been in this program for several, several uh, years now. So, you know, I, I think that kind of bodes well for them. It's going to be sort of a continuation of, of Fran Dunphy in a lot of ways. I think they sort of share ideologies, um, you know, and we've obviously seen a lot of success uh, come out of North Philly and, and Dunphy's time there. And so, um, yeah, I mean, 14, 17 is um, you know, the, the kind of result you want, especially for a sort of a program with a tradition like this. But, you know, it's, it's a you know, decent jump off point. At least they didn't have to. Um, yeah, they have. You know, they, they kind of. You know, it's a good blocks in the first year. I, you know, I, I certainly have faith in McKee to uh, to experience some success in his time at Temple. All right. Uh, so our next talking point is going to be breaking down the past five years. Uh, Josh, you can take us away on that one. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I mentioned uh, just a moment ago, um, you know, some of the success that uh, Temple's experienced um, under Fran Dunphy. Uh, unfortunately for them, they haven't really, you know, gotten, you know, fans haven't really gotten to uh, take part in a lot of the success, you know, over the last five years, you know, in this window that we're looking at here. Um, and also, you know, something that I'm sure Temple fans won't like to be reminded of, you know, we're going to start again five years ago, 2015, 2016. And really, that was the best of the last five years of uh, if you're Temple. So um, that year, 15-16, um, you know, it was the, the last year before they lost a, a crop of really good players. Um, you know, Obi and Neshionia is one that comes to mind. Uh, and they, you know, they made the they made the NCAA tournament outright after going 21-12 uh, and 12 overall and um, really astounding 14-4 and four in conference play, uh, which is, which is their still to date their best conference record since joining the American, uh, the American athletic conference that is. And, you know, they were, they were a 10 seed in the tournament. Uh, they ended up losing the first round in a great game. I don't know if you remember this one, Ryan, the one against Iowa. The game went to overtime and Temple had, you know, either a put back dunk or a tip in at the last second that was discounted, I believe. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, because uh, I guess, um, and I'm not, not remembering right now who the player was, but, uh, I guess his fingertips were still on the ball as time expired. And so the bucket was discounted. They lost by about the slimmest of margins. Am I, am I thinking of the right game here? I think it was – I think Iowa won on a putback at the buzzer, actually. Was? I know there was yeah. a – interestingly enough, I think we're going to be doing St. Joe's soon, if not next. And I think they had – Yeah, that sim- was St. Joe's won it on that. There you go. All right, so I'm all mixed up here. But, um, yeah, no, it was – I do remember it was just a – you know, the loss by the slimmest of margins, real heartbreaker. Um and, uh, yeah, and it turns out that, you know, a little bit of foreshadowing here, it turns out that that would be uh, um, Fran Dunphy's last uh, last visit, the round of 64. Because that, that year was followed, again, I, they lost, you know, a, a really good nucleus of players that year. And they had two straight years of um, real mediocrity, I guess you'd call it. 16-17, uh, they went 16-16 overall. Uh, you know, obviously missed the tournament. And the next year, again, not much to speak of. 
Um, they improved their uh, improved their win, their win percentage by a half a game. They went 17 and 16 overall. Once again, missed the tournament. Sort of middle of the pack, you know, high middle of the pack. Uh, the the American Conference is one that's always real top heavy. There's you know usually four or five, maybe six teams um, that are solid. You know. It's usually a steep cliff, you know, a big drop off between the top of the league and the bottom. Um, but you know, Temple, Temple always sort of hangs in that top half of the league. But you know, this year they were kind of hanging on for dear life, if you will. Um, yeah, two, you know, kind of again mediocre seasons. Not a whole lot to speak of. They sort of regained their form um, in 2018-2019 as guys like uh, Quentin Rose and Nate Pierre Louis kind of started to come into their own as players. Um, they uh, still, though, was a, you know kind of a roller coaster season for Temple. A lot of ups, a lot of downs, um, and they just barely squeaked their way into the tournament. Uh, they, they were actually, you know, one of the uh, the last four in, as the um, selection committee calls it. And they they played a uh, they had to play a first four game, a play-in game, uh, and that was you know as an 11 seed they played against Belmont, which was you know really kind of an interesting storyline going into that game. It was because we knew it was going to be the last game uh, between the for one, for one of the two coaches, whichever was sent home again, Dunphy with Temple and uh, Rick Bird at Belmont. Um, you know, also interesting was the fact that you know Belmont had received the Ohio Valley Conference's first ever uh, at-large bid, and mm-hmm. um, you know that was huge for them. Uh, to go off on a little tangent here, as you know, as a uh, as and and really for all um, kind of lower-level mid-major conference teams, it was really neat. You know, we saw a future NBA player in that game, Dylan Windler. And he ended up pacing them to a victory there. So Rick Bird moved on for his. Um, yeah, he received. He got his first ever tournament win after a really storied career, twenty some years with Belmont. And um, Temple was sent home, and that ended uh, the reign of Fran Dunphy, which in total looks like it lasted um, about. Uh, let's see, he was with Penn. Looks like about. I think, I think it was two thousand six to two thousand. 19 is when he was, uh, or 2018, when he was the coach at Temple. Yeah. So, you know, a little more than a decade. Yeah, a lot of success. I'm, I'm, uh, eight NCAA tournaments. You know, so just a lot of sustained success, but fortunately more so uh, in sort of the first half of his tenure there in the Atlantic 10 days, where Temple was really sort of the one of the powers that be in that conference. Yeah. You know, they still have kind of yet to um, find their groove in the American. Uh, but, you know, I think really blame on, you know, just, you know, when you go into a more competitive conference, there's going to be, you know, fewer opportunities or, you know, you're going to have to prove yourself just that much extra to kind of, um, you know, just keep up that consistency and keep making this room. And uh, last season, 2019-2020, again, you know, a season cut short, obviously, due to the coronavirus, but one where we sort of saw the direction it was going. You you talked, you know, mostly about this season. You know, you talked uh, sort of in depth about this season, so I'm not really going to go into it too much. But they ended up, like you said, they ended up finishing 14-17, 6-12 in the conference. Um, pretty significant drop-off, but, you know, again, to be expected uh, when you lose a guy like Dunphy at the helm. But, you know, I'm... I'm I think that, you know, it's good that McKee has sort of, sort of been around that program. He's been able to sort of be part of that, that Dunphy culture that I, I'm sure is still resonant around uh, Temple's locker room. And, um, you know, I, I 
I do expect, uh, you know, maybe not necessarily this coming year, but I do expect things in the long run to sort of go up from here. Yeah, I mean, Temple, I think the past five years, they was just kind of uh, inconsistent. And as good as Dumphy was throughout his time at Temple, I, I think it was like time for time for change. Kind of It, it kind of reminded me of like Andy Reid with the Eagles, like as great of a coach he was throughout uh, the history of the program. It, it was just time to go in a different direction, I think. And as you're saying, McKee as a coming from the Dunphy coaching tree, but I think he's also going to bring his new ideas and philosophies to the game. So it's sometimes it's just better to get a get a new voice in there and try and uh, push the program to new heights going forward. Yeah, and I think it's um it's, I think it's important, you know, the the, the ties you made between uh, McKee and Temple program, the city of Philadelphia at large. I mean, he's got he's a guy who's um, you know, really made his career in this city and largely around this program. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy you want you want at the helm because just mm-hmm. putting him in the you know, even if he's you know as just the, as little as a figurehead in that program, which I think he's more. I think he'll he'll be a solid coach and really grow into his own. But I mean, just you know, for potential recruits, just seeing a guy like that who, uh, you know, home, if you will, you know, a guy who who achieved, you know, really great success and, you know, a solid NBA career uh, coming through that program. Yeah. You know, that's a beacon of, um, uh, of hope or, you know, something that a recruit can look toward and, you know, feel confident in, uh, in going to Temple. So next thing we're going to talk about is uh, some key losses, uh, some key returning players and some breakout, and a breakout player for the upcoming season. Uh, some key losses, uh, Temple, Temple's losing a lot this offseason. The complete opposite of uh, Villanova, who we talked about last week, only losing one guy who, who's going to go probably uh, in the lottery in the NBA draft. But Temple's not losing any guys of that caliber, but they're still losing a lot of key contributors. Uh, they're losing Alani Moore, a senior guard to graduation, who was one of the leaders of that team, uh, a really tough defender, a guy who pick you up full court and really just up in your grill the whole the whole way down the floor. And he was a really good shooter, especially from beyond the arc. They'll miss that scoring punch. Uh, they're losing their best player in Quentin Rose. Uh, he's a player who could score, defend, rebound, had very good length, athleticism, uh, was good in the open court. They're really going to miss him. I think he's a, a pro a pro player. I don't know about the NBA or the G League, but he's definitely got enough uh, talent and skill to work with where he can be a very productive overseas player. So. Anytime you lose a professional off your roster, that's going to take a hit. Uh, Josh Pierre-Louis, brother of Nate Pierre-Louis, who you're talking about, transferred out after um, after his freshman season. And he's going to UC Santa Barbara. That's a big loss. Uh, Aaron McHugh probably was counting on him to take over as a, a starting guard this year. He's a very explosive player, a very good defender. And like I was saying, he's probably going to be a starter, so. It kind of was a head scratcher as to why um, why he left the program. Maybe he just didn't get along with McKee or something. But he he's a Jersey guy going all the way out to California now. It'll be interesting to see see how he does. Uh, and probably the biggest loss other than Quentin Rose was Nate was Nate Pierre Louis. I think he was going to be their best player this upcoming season. One of the regarded as one of the best defenders in the country. Uh, let let Temple and Reeve in rebounds as a like a 6-3 guard with eight and a half per game. He scored about 15 points per game, I believe. But he graduated in three years and felt that uh, he, it was time for him to go pro. I mean, he entered the draft 
I doubt he'll be an NBA draft pick, but looks like he's opting to play professionally somewhere else, and he already earned his degree, so he felt like college wasn't uh, for him anymore. He didn't really need to play college ball anymore, I guess. But a lot of key losses, uh, four of their five leading scorers are out the door, so there's going to be a lot to make up for uh, this upcoming season for Temple. Some key, uh, some key returning players, you got Jake Forrester, who was fourth on the team last year with seven and a half points per game, and he had a 53.3% uh, field goal percentage. He's one of those bigs who, he's a, a great rim runner, uh, very high-level athlete. He's explosive as they come. He's going to be that great in the, if McKee really wants to run this up-and-down system, he's going to be great uh, running down the middle of the lane and kind of catching lobs from guys off pick and rolls and things and really making his uh, his presence felt in transition, I think, getting a step ahead of like a slower big and point guard throwing the ball out in front of him and getting some dunks. He's not a guy who's going to shoot shoot much from outside the lane, but he's going to be a very effective player and a, a rim protector. So that's a big guy coming back. He, he was an Indiana transfer, so just speaks to how highly he was recruited and uh, he went to Westtown which is outside the Philadelphia area. So that's a big get for McKee, even though he already played a year. That's, that's still another big uh, a rec- kind of a recruit, even though he's a transfer, and big that he's returning this upcoming season. You also have De- Devondre Perry coming back, who's a versatile forward. I think he could have a big season. I'll be talking about him shortly a little bit more, so I don't really want to expand on him that much right now. And J.P. Mormon, uh, he's a tough, rugged player, just kind of an old-school forward. He can score and rebound very well, I think. Uh, he's going to be probably the leading rebounder on the team this year, if not if not one, up top two or three. And he's going to be relied on the score. He's going to be one of the uh, more veteran-led players on the team. He's a returning captain, so he's going to be counted on to provide some key leadership. And my breakout player is, uh, like I was just saying, Devondre Perry. I love his ability to shoot the ball, uh, 42% from three last year. That. That's very good numbers. But I think Temple's definitely going to need him to step up this year after losing Pierre-Louis and Quentin Rose, Alani Moore, three three of their better scorers. And they also lost another guy to the transfer portal. I, his name escapes me right now, but another guy who was counted on for scoring. So Perry is going to be counted on this year to take on a bigger role. And I think as long as he develops more offensive moves to like his arsenal, that he could be Temple's go-to guy on offense at the wing. That's not uh, necessarily the best thing, I think. That kind of speaks to Temple's uh, maybe lack of talent for this upcoming year. But Perry could be one of those uh, players in the American Conference who's kind of being slept on. But in a bigger role with his – he's got great length where and height where he's – I believe he's six seven wing. So he could score from all three levels. I mean, if he gets a smaller guard on him, he could take him in the post. He can attack the rim. I think he's a, he's going to be effective in the mid-range, in the high post area if they need him, and he could shoot the three ball really well, as I said. So he could be uh, one of the breakout players, not just for Temple, just but for the American Conference overall. Maybe sneak his way onto an all-conference team if all things go well this season. Um, yeah, I mean, so just to sort of recap all this, I mean, the, the key losses are kind of what the sore thumb that really sticks out here, you know, it's... Um, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, you're going to lose guys like Moore and Rose who are seniors and that hurts a lot for sure. I mean, you know, your, uh, your guard play, you really is going to need a boost after that. Um, as far as a guy like Pierre Louis, uh, or Nate Pierre Louis, that is the, the elder, um, 
of the brothers. You know, it's, it's there was something that kind of surprised me at first when he said he was going to leave early. Uh, it's something that I'm, I think I'm maybe understanding a little more as I go. Uh, Pierre Louis is a guy who really doesn't kind of project to be uh, a draft pick, even if he stays next year. You know, he's not the type of guy who's probably in that conversation. But like you said, I mean, a gritty, like, you know, guy, great defender. Um, but, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of this, and we already are. I mean, I was looking at, you know, recently, which I think since the last time uh, we recorded, if not a little bit before, um, the the list were released of who's opting to remain in the NBA draft versus return to college. And there were some, there were some head-scratching guys where I was like, you know, this guy just doesn't seem to have really a prayer even of um, – of being drafted, um, mm-hmm. you know, guys even much more so than uh, than Pierre Louis, I'd say that I put in that category. But you know, I'm starting to think, you know, given the state of affairs right now, just the world we're living in um, with this virus and whatnot, you know, I just I, I think that guys are starting to think like, you know, we may not have a season this year, and if we do, it's going to look drastically different than it normally does, and there's going to be a lot less opportunity to really showcase ourselves. So especially a guy like you know in Pierre Louis' shoes who uh, who's kind of who's got that degree under his belt already? Um, you know, who's kind of finished his you know academic curriculum? Um, yeah, you, you know, you figure. And, and again, especially a guy like him who just uh, you know doesn't project to have a very you know very long and fruitful NBA, NBA career if he even does have one. You know, although he's a guy I really like as a player. Um, yeah, I, I just think that uh, he might maybe figures. You know, let's just get out there, start making money, you know, get an extra year in my belt, you know, for these yeah. slam dunk NBA guys, you know, there's, you never know where your next kind of career opportunity in basketball is coming from. So, you, you know, you want to get, uh, you know, you want to get, you kind of want to get paid while you can. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's one that I've sort of, it's a move that I've um, started to, uh, I guess, understand and maybe even agree with, not that it's really my place to agree, but, you know, I've more and more as, uh, as time has gone on. Uh, the more concerning one, I think, is, you know, if you're the Temple coaching staff, alumni, et cetera, um, is, is his younger brother, Josh Pierre-Louis. You know, when you have a guy, and you touched on this a bit, who is, um, you know, who ex- experienced, you know, some decent success, played some minutes with your team last year, and you're losing, you know, you know three, other of you, three of your other top scorers around him, and he's going to step up and really have a chance to, like, you know, be the guy this year, and he opts to, to – um, you know, I'm going to call it, you know, transferring down, uh, you know, because UC Santa Barbara's in the big West. It's a. Top to bottom, it's, you know, certainly less conference. He's probably not going to get much, if any, TV time, uh, you know, nationally televised games there. Um, you know, the facilities are probably second rate compared to a school like Temple's. And, um, you know, when you still, when a guy still opts to go out like that, you, you know, it makes you wonder, you hope it's just, Maybe uh, something on a personal level where, you know, maybe it's just he didn't uh, like like the fit there. Maybe he per with um, you know with the coaching staff. But uh, you know, you hope this isn't sort of like I guess a, a precursor of you know more to come. If we start seeing more moves like this uh, of guys who you know, and it's one thing if a guy comes in and isn't really. Um, experiencing success with the team if he's kind of getting buried in the bench and then he you know decides to transfer it down to a smaller school that's obviously understandable uh yeah. but when you have who's who's set to be, you know a pretty key piece for you and then he and he decides to transfer it down that's a little concerning so that's something that i'd say to keep your eye on i, I think it's definitely not indicative yet of 
you know, any larger trends. It's you know, just sort of a, just a singular example, but it's, it's something to, you know, again, keep your eye on. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I agree with the returning players. Uh, you know, I, I particularly remember Mormon being a guy that sort of stuck out to me, you know, a high energy guy, like you, you call him tough, rugged, you know, that's, you know, good adjectives for him. He's just a, he's a scrapper. He's a guy who's going to, you know, earn his minutes and, um, you know, earn all the points he gets and, you know, just through a lot of hard work. He was a guy I really liked. All right. Um, so our next segment will be schedule slash conference breakdown, uh, as we were talking about last episode. With the uncertainty about the start time of the season and whatnot, we, we don't have a, a concrete schedule, but maybe just some potential matchups to look out for and kind of break down uh, what Temple could be seeing in the conference this year. Yeah, so again, going off of what you were um, what you were saying, um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean in this one more towards uh, just you know a, a sort of conference overview, um, and really for the conference as a whole, it's looking to be a pretty good year. Which you know, like we said, it may be a down year for Temple, and that bodes all the worse for them. I think uh, you know you're gonna have a um, you know l- luckily for um, uh, for Temple, you know we 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 talked briefly off camera before Ryan about. Um, Wichita State, you know, in the past we've spoken about them and how they're in a similar situation to Temple. They've lost a lot of guys to the transfer portal this year and just, you know, to alternative options in general. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, they're a team that's usually a staple that tends to fall, you know, ahead of Temple. And in the- working against them, though, is the fact that, um, you know, or, I, you know, I guess while I'm talking about advantages Temple will have, uh, we don't see a ton of, you know, Real great recruiting classes coming in this year. I was looking, you know, twenty four seven Sports did a, a, a ranking of, uh, you know, the top recruiting classes coming in, and uh, the league only had two uh, two teams fall within the top fifty nationally, and Cincinnati was the top one of those teams that had forty fourth in the nation. So, you know, we're not seeing a great year for incoming recruiting classes. I wouldn't say uh, Houston was the other one there at forty eighth, and but you know, Cincinnati and Houston, you know, I guess to talk sort of on the downside of your temple, uh, Cincinnati and Houston are going to be as good as ever. Houston is a team that people are saying could potentially be top 10 in, in the nation. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be really the class of the league this year, but Cincinnati, you know, once again, should be a pretty surefire, um, you know, uh, NCAA tournament team, you know, again, assuming there is one, we, you know, all, all the precursors we always talk about, assuming that things are as they usually are, um, you know, we'll absolutely be seeing Houston, uh, come March, and um, you know we'll be seeing a lot of Cincinnati too. Uh, things, honestly, in the league, you know, things are pretty much as they as they normally are. Um, you know, in, in terms of like the pecking order, we're gonna have, you know, we're gonna have, um, you know, UCF teams like UCF and SMU make a run at the tournament. Um, you have your sort of uh, outside the box schools, you know, a Tulsa, uh, USF, South Florida, that is, um, you know, maybe one of those schools. Uh, you know, probably will have a, a significant, you know, a 20 win season and possibly contend for the tournament. Um, the, the big thing, and we, we talked about this um, last time in the, in the Villanova uh, overview that we did, so I'll keep it brief, is the loss of UConn. That's an interesting sort of tidbit in the league. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, so that we have them leaving for the Big East, where, you know, again, let's face it, that's sort of where they belonged all along. Um, but the, so the league goes down to 11 teams. Uh, so that'll be sort of an interesting dynamic. It could, you know, change the scheduling overall. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think for Temple, you know, if, if I'm going to highlight a few key games, um, it's going to be important to win, you know, to take some of these home games, especially when you uh, you have a t- – if, you know, again, you know, I <laughs> sound like a broken record here, but, you know, if we're traveling as, as we normally are, if teams are going to campus sites, um, especially if – and, you know, this seems very unlikely, but especially if we have uh, – you know, if we're maybe able to get some fans in the stadium. Uh, um, you know, usually a pretty decent one in Temple's case. But, you know, when you have, especially when you have a, another sort of middle-of-the-pack team like an SMU who has to, you know, who has to travel across the country might be experiencing, you know, some, some fatigue from a road trip, especially if, you know, if they're going, if they have to go up to, say, Cincinnati or East Carolina or something before Temple. You know, you want to be able to uh, jump on a team like that and, um, you know, Temple's going to be a young team this year. They're, they're going to want to, um, you know, really get out and, and uh, you know, try to run these teams into the ground. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so that, that's just uh, – that's something I like to see. You know, I, I really like to see, again, you know, Temple with the greatest team this year. Um, it's great if you can steal a game off of a, a Cincinnati or Houston type. Those games, um, you know, those games might be washes. You know, that's they're game, games that they'd probably be expected to lose, even if they play both teams, even if they play those teams twice. But yeah, if you can steal a game, especially a home game, you know, off of a Wichita State and SMU, uh, Central Florida, you know, that's going to be that's going to be pretty huge. It's just kind of winning within the margins like that. And, you know, taking advantage of teams sort of within your status within the league. I think that's going to be big. Yeah, uh, and there's always. Just with all these teams, the Big Five schedule too. It would be, I think, to as you know, LaSalle has a new coach or relatively new coach. St. Joe's has a relatively new coach. I think these Big Five battles are going to be like kind of important uh, when it comes to playing second fiddle to Villanova in the recruiting um, aspect of getting guys from the city of Philadelphia. I think if Temple can show that, all right, we're we're getting better than LaSalle. We're getting better than St. Joe's. And maybe that'll kind of speak to recruits as well, that they're, that they're the, one of the top teams in the city. And maybe I should, if I'm going to stay home, maybe I should stay home and go to Temple rather than a St. Joe's or a LaSalle, something like that. Yeah, I agree. But I'm going to uh, pretty much just leave that there because I'm going to speak a little more on that in the next segment. All right. Uh, yeah, so the next segment will be is the Coach's Shoes segment on uh, building the program. Josh, you can take us away on that one. Uh, sure. Yeah, so, um, <clears throat> you know, as, as we go through as we go through this um, this series, you know, I, yeah, I think I may sound like a bit of a broken record at times because, um, you know, for most of the teams that we're going to be covering, um, I have a sort of a gripe, and it seems that, like, you know, for the most part, a lot, a lot of these um, local teams, Temple being one of them, is um, – you know, they're just not taking advantage, it seems like, uh, of this local market uh, that they have. Villanova does it decently well. Uh, Temple hasn't really done it a whole lot at all. They've, they've cornered um, the state of New Jersey pretty, pretty decently. They get a lot of good prospects from across the Delaware River, but uh, they're not getting a lot of guys from at home. You know, F- Philly is um, it's kind of got that, you know, just that northeast grid, same, same as New York. It's always just a hotbed. There's a lot of great prospects coming out of um, – went out of Philly every year, a lot of D1 guys. And uh, if you're a team like Temple, you know, when you have these guys in your backyard who are, um, who are hooping on a national level, you know, you want to be, you know, you want to be able to kind of pull some of them in. And, um, 
uh, I just think that's something that, that Temple particularly has really not done well. Um, so, you know, I think, and I think we've, we've talked enough about McKee, so I'll keep this brief, but, you know, you have a guy like him who's kind of, um, you know, who, who is just like an emblem of Philly. who's really a mainstay in the city. Uh, you're, you're going to want to take advantage of, of your local connections and, you know, start bringing in guys that they, you know, you're going to touch on this a little later about how they're maybe starting to, you know, change their fortunes in that way. But yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing in terms of recruiting. Uh, now the, I'm looking at, you know, looking at the team stats from last year, uh, they, they, they were actually a pretty solid defensive team. You know, we talked about Nate Pierre Louis and how he kind of helped to pace the team in that way. Um, yeah. one thing that though, is that, um, and, and really, you know, when you look at Temple stats on the surface, they're not too bad. I mean, they, and when you look at um, their average team, overall team stats per game versus their opponents, um, you know, they, they just uh, they they honestly out they outnumber their opponents in most categories. But one one thing I'd like to see them do a lot better in this has some something to do with recruiting, something to do with player development uh, is three point shooting. They shot a little over thirty percent. Um, not great. Definitely not where they want to be. They were uh, 236th in the league um, in, in that regard. Really, their offensive game as a whole. A lot of offensive stats. Um, uh, you know, they really need some help with their their overall field goal percentage. Um, is uh, you know, for, there, there was 40.4 percent on the season, which ranks to get this 332nd out of I believe 357 teams in D1. Nice. So that's yeah, real bad. Um, you want to get that up. Their offense in general, uh, point, total points, 68.3 per game. That's 266th nationally. You know, in a team that's in, you'd say, probably the seventh best conference in the country out of 32 conferences, you don't want to be down um, in that level, and you know, in, in the 200s in just about yeah. any. Category. And you see, if you look through their, you know, if you look through their, uh, their, their um, you know, stats here, you see, uh, 200s and 300s if you look at their rank amongst the country in a lot of these positions. So they really need um, to, to get some player development going uh, offensively. I particularly like to see them bring in some shooters, uh, some outside shooters. I think they've done pretty well with that in this year's class, which I'll talk about later. But yeah, I mean, we need some offensive development. Uh, their, their defensive stats actually um, you know, stick out. Like, you know, it's, it's really kind of night and day when compared to their offense. Defensive rebounds, uh, they, they, they pulled in 27.8 uh, per game last year. That's 31st in the country. That's great. I mean, it's very good. It's, you know, and, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, they just, they've done pretty solid on the defensive end. Uh, but, you know, much, much better than, um, on the offensive end. Just, you know, that's going to be something they want to see. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, and, but, again, you know, we'll have to see – there's a lot up in the air right now. Just there's going to be a really a new look roster for them. So see what um, how the new guys gel and what strengths they bring. I mean that there may be not much continuity at all in that way because you know it's going to be like I said it's going to be such a big turnover with them. All right. Do you want to uh, talk about the 2020 recruiting class for Temple this year? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, they there was. Um, so the recruiting class, 2020, they brought in uh, four guys as well as um, one transfer here. And um, so the, the transfer is um, 
I haven't been technical difficulties here. Um, Ty so, Strickland. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Thank you. There's a name, Ty Strickland, the guy from Wisconsin. Uh, so you know, you like to definitely like to see that. Um, you know, he's coming from a semi-blue blood program, and um, yeah, so he 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 sat on the bench for them last year. Again, you know, I I, I love the transfer portal. Uh, if, you, if you're a team that's you know consistently bringing guys in, you know, because generally speaking, unless they get the immediate uh, transfer eligibility waiver, um, uh, you know they're, they're going to um, uh, you know they're just going to be able to get a, get to uh, get a feel for the the team's culture, um, and also you know get to know the playbook a little bit. So I think in, it's going to be good for uh, a, a guy like Ty to um, you know just come in in his first year and. Uh, you know, or, you know, come in in, in uh, Aaron McKee's first year, that is, and just be able to um, to get a feel for things before he steps in and plays. He's a guy who got limited minutes for Wisconsin, but um, and again, a limited sample size. Uh, he he did shoot fifty percent from from three, so um, you know that's something that he uh, he's you know he's really going to do well for um, for Temple. Hopefully, and again, you know, we'll see how that pans out. But, um, you know, you're, you're going to like to see that. Hopefully, hopefully he can come in. He fills a guard spot that Temple needs. And, um, you know, he's just uh, he's going to come in and just, you know, do, do really well for them. Now, there's four um, uh, freshmen here on the list. Uh, the first, they, they got one four-star guy in. That's Nick Jordan, again, out of New Jersey. They got two, two of these four guys coming from New Jersey. So, um, you know, again, it's kind of staying true to that recent pipeline that they've had. Uh, yep. Jordan's a big body, 6'8", 210 pounds, and um, he, he really showed some defensive prowess in high school. He's a good shot blocker, um, and just, you know, just has active hands in general. Uh, so, you know, he's a guy who's going to um, hopefully be able to kind of continue that, uh, that, that defensive um, you know, prowess that Temple showed the past couple of years. Now, um, the next guy, again, another Jersey guy. We got uh, Jalil White from Wildwood Catholic out of uh, Jersey Shore. And um, he's a guy who's got a really nice, like, size body. Cause he's more of a wing, uh, 6'7", 180. He's, you know, a tall, lean guy. Um, and what really popped for me when watching highlights of him uh, was, was his, you know, just his offensive ability in general. He was able to uh, – he, he really loved to get to the basket. He was a really great penetrator. Um, he was, a, you know, kind of a dunk artist. He's – could be a, you know, potentially a really fun guy to watch, but he steps out and shoots the three at a pretty good clip too. Uh, the next next guy I'm going to uh, talk about briefly is Quincy uh, Quincy Adam Akoya. I'm going to say hopefully I didn't butcher that. Uh, he's from Georgia. That's sort of an interesting um, uh, you know pull from Temple to get a guy from down south there. Um, and you know he's he's a guy again you know another guy I saw who kind of uh, was you know kind of able to shine on offense in high school. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, Temple's really looking for some offensive spark plugs. He's a guy who I think could step in and, you know, be one of them. Um, but, yeah, just a really active player. He's, he, you know, gets up and down the floor pretty well. And another guy who, you know, likes to get inside and kind of attack the basket, um, which is, you know, good to have that versatility for a wing. He's not a guy who's always just going to sit outside and shoot. Um, you know, he's going to get in, get inside and not only score inside, but, you know, hopefully be able to be a playmaker too, pick out to some open shooters. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of 
be a do-it-all guy on offense and hopefully provide some uh, defensive abilities as well. The last guy is one who I think is you know kind of flying under the radar. He was only listed as a two-star recruit, um, but he's a guy that I'm particularly you know I'm particularly high on after um, you know doing a little bit of research on him. That's a guy by the name of Jeremiah Williams. Yeah, big, yeah, big basketball uh, markets at the high school level. Chicago is another one, really great um, high school basketball scene there. And he's a guy who comes out of uh, maybe the king of basketball powerhouses within Chicago. That's Simeon, um, he, and he's you know he's a guy who was able to hold his own there amongst you know some other good players. You know, and Simeon's and you like you like a guy coming from a big program like that coming into college because you know in playing for a high school basketball team like that, it feels like you're more, you're in a college program more so than a high school one, you know, with just all the talent that's around and, uh, you know, you're really going to have to fight for minutes, um, you know, touches on the floor, et cetera. But he's a guy who was really able to, to space the floor well, and he was, he was able to find his spots too. He, he was just a guy who was able to, um, you know, kind of get in the lane. He's um, a little bit undersized for a guy who, you know, likes to play inside a little bit. He's listed at 6'5", 185. But yeah, I mean, he's somebody who, um, was again able to pick his spots and uh, just get in position to be on the receiving end of, of um, the passes and score. And um, he's a, he's a guy who can just jump out of his shoes too. As again, as a six foot five guy, which is you know a better size in high school than it is in college, but um, still he was able to average one point nine blocks per game last year as a senior, which is yeah, impressive. He's so he's a guy who's willing, who's you know a willing defender. Um, he's just going to bring energy and effort and do it on both sides of the floor. So that's a guy you love to have. I think he's going to fit in well here and, you know, hopefully he makes it work uh, at Temple. Yeah, I mean, two of these guys, the – I don't want to – Quincy from Georgia and uh, Williams, both 6'5". That, that gives them – I think Aaron McKee might be going for, like, some bigger guards now, uh, trying to get guys who can play, you know, both, both guard spots. I mean, 6'5", that offers – positional versatility and in today's uh the way basketball is played today it's all about just having kind of like the best athletes and get guys who can defend and play multiple spots so that's kind of the key i think in the recruiting that that they're looking at now and i really like the pickup of jaleel white as well just because of the fact i think that's like a big uh a big recruiting thing for mckee i mean he he picked temple over some pretty uh, high level, not high level programs, but some mid major programs that are regarded as uh, some of the best throughout the country. Bowling Green, who's been a very good team in the MAC over the years, Hofstra, uh, Iona, Monmouth, NJIT, St. Francis. He picked, and he even had, according to 24 7 Sports, he had some uh, interest from University of Georgia as well. So some, some fairly good programs there that he picked. Uh, he picked Temple over a bunch of them. So that's a, I think that's a good sign for recruiting going forward for Coach McKee. Yeah, that is great. Um, and, you know, in a way, I guess that's staying home for him. Uh, yeah, apologies again for the technical difficulties there. I was kind of, my screen froze up on me there for a little bit. So I was trying to talk about Ty Strickland a little bit based off of uh, memory alone. But um, other than him, uh, you know, my, my, my only concern about this class is that other than Strickland coming in as a transfer, um, you know, you, you have, Again, Jordan, who's going to be a, um, you know, play more of like a four for them, kind of an, uh, you know, a decently sized four for college, but undersized when it, you know, translates to the program, pro game, I guess you'd say. But um, 
Otherwise, they got three guys who really sort of played the wing um, in college. You know, for a team who sort of who lost a lot of guard play, um, you know, I, I, I think that they wanted to uh, that they'd want to maybe go more the guard heavy route um, in, the, in this recruiting class. But uh, you know, like you said, I mean, may, maybe McKee is looking to get some big guards. Um, maybe a guy like you know um, Adam McCoya or Williams can can sort of uh, shift it. They they sort of all play like the five or the, excuse me, not the five the three. Right now, that's White, uh, Adam Okoya, and Williams. Um, they're guys who sort of played that position in high school. But hopefully, one of them can sort of slide over into like an off guard kind of position, or maybe two of them, and provide some help in that way. Uh, that's sort of the only, I guess, concern I have with this class. But overall, I think a pretty solid one to get some some good help here and uh, do about as good as they can in um, picking up for the you know picking up after the the pieces that were left from last year. Yeah, and that's like his first like real his like first real recruiting class because like the year before Dunphy was still still there recruiting guys and stuff. So this is his first like full recruiting class that he's bringing in. So I think it's a, a good starting point. But uh, I'll talk about the 2021 recruiting class. Uh, this is my favorite favorite thing to talk about the recruiting. I really love it. I think there's so many different avenues you can go down, so many different talking points, and it's just a, such an interesting thing to cover. Uh, for the 2021 recruiting class, so far they have two transfers coming in. Uh, they have Sage Tolbert out of Southeast Missouri State, so a very small school, but a guy who's a power forward about uh, 6'8", 210. Don't know much about him, but, I mean, a pretty big body. We'll see what he can uh, We'll see what he can do for Coach McKee going forward. Don't really have much on him. But then you also have Khalif Battle. Uh, from he's from Trenton, New Jersey, uh, so still pretty, relatively close to Philadelphia, and he's he's a transfer from Butler. He didn't play much at Butler, uh, averaged about a little over three points per game and limited action, but six five one eighty, another big guard like we were talking about, a guy who could play the one or two, I think, um, and a guy who I mean Butler's a Big East program, so he is a high level recruit and maybe just wasn't working out there and. He found a thinks he found a better home at Temple. Uh, the one then there's two guys that they have signed as actual recruits who are still in high school. They got Brandon Sanders. Uh, he's a center from Miami, Florida, six ten, two oh five. So I mean, he's got great height, but two oh five. It's kind of a, a frail frame. Uh, so he's definitely going to need to bulk up before getting to the college level. Uh, also, don't really have as much info on him as he was only a junior in high school last year. So. The, this recruiting class isn't uh, being covered as much yet. But he's another guy who's just a big body and who will uh, hopefully provide Temple with uh, their center of the future down the line. I mean, they lost Damian Moore last year, who was their starting center. Uh, they kind of got a veteran front court with, like, Mormon and Devondre Perry. So, I mean, this guy at 6'10", that, he's a true center, I assume. Uh, I Hopefully he's a guy who is still developing, uh, can work into that growing outside pick and pop game as a big guy, but he, I think he might be a good uh, pairing with Forrester in the front court uh, for at least a, a few seasons. And then this guy, a uh, member of our, our beef up front family, uh, Hyzer Miller point guard from, yeah. from Philadelphia, uh, Newman Garetti high school. I mean, just, he's a, I think he was a three-star recruit, but just getting a guy from that played in the Philadelphia Catholic League to stay home. I think that's as, as big of a thing that 
Temple could have got. I mean, he doesn't even have to be like a star star player for Temple going forward, even though I think he has the potential to. Just like getting a guy, a big name guy from the city to stay home is just going to be such a big recruiting tool going forward. Uh, he's the first Temple commit from the PCL since 2004. So we're going on almost 15 or a little over 15 years now of not getting anyone from the Philadelphia Catholic League who has churned out McDonald's All-Americans uh, every every few years. I mean, you got Quad A Green, you had Malik Waynes, you had uh, Isaiah Wong. You have all these high-level uh, four-star, five-star recruits who have left the city and gone on to greener pastures. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to get out of the city and kind of make a name for yourself somewhere else. But one of the big things I saw Temple doing with this kid Hazir Miller in terms of recruiting him is emphasizing that you can, you can be great at home. Uh, so I think that's one of the things that especially Aaron McKee can speak to, especially. And like I was saying, the first PCL commit since 2004, uh, I think his name was Chris Clark was the last one. And he was, he's on the temple coaching staff now. So another guy who's going to try and use his, his Philly background to keep these guys here. But Hazir Miller is a, a three-level scorer, definitely a guy who has range all throughout the gym, uh, such an explosive player. I've seen him dunk in traffic many times. He's a blur in the open court, <laughs> a high-level defender, just a big-level athlete. Uh, I'm really excited to watch him. As we, as I was saying, we've talked to him here on Beef Up Front before. A great kid. I mean, I see videos of him on Twitter every day at the park at 6 a.m., that just shows, <coughs> excuse me. That just shows how he's just constantly trying to get better and has such a great work ethic. And he's he's a guy who I think will be able to say, hey, you know, stay stay at home with me and and play and play with me. I mean, there's so many guys from the Philly area still that that he could recruit to come play with him. So that's just a huge pickup. And then some uh, other guys going forward, just kind of what we we've been saying. Tap into that Philly pipeline more. <clears throat> Emphasize that you can be great while playing at home. So many good Catholic League players, public league players in the surrounding suburbs that you can get to stay home. And then you have Lynn Greer. <coughs> Excuse me, I guess I'm sucking my throat. Lynn Greer, uh, great player at Roman, is a former Temple guy as well. Uh, he's doing like a post-grad year at IMG Academy, so another year to get better. But 24-7 sports has a 100% prediction that he'll wind up at Temple. So that's a legacy player, another point guard who him, him and Miller could kind of play together in the backcourt. <clears throat> but I think they might need to add some more knockdown shooters just to space the floor and maybe take a chance on an athletic wing from, like, the public league, a guy who you see has the potential, but he's not being recruited that much, just fine under the radar and, kind of take a chance on him and bank on his potential and his athleticism coming around into a full player. But I think if they can't get it in the 2020 class uh, out of the guys that you talked about earlier, the 2021 class, I think Temple needs a quote-unquote guy that they can count on as like a legit scoring wing like they had with Deontay Christmas for several years or Khalif Wyatt. <laughs> There's so many good Philly players around I feel like you can get one of them or even like you were saying tap into that jersey pipeline that they have going as well yeah um 
love the callback to Deontay Christmas. Blast in the past. But, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, and I, I promise you this will be a, um, a theme that uh, I, I keep hammering home here throughout this series. There are, of these six teams that we're going to look over, I, I see, um, you know, two of them that are really taking advantage of the local basketball scene we have here in uh, two and a half, and, you know, Nova does it decently well, I'd say, but, um, you know, and the other three really haven't been, you know, keeping guys home at all. And, um, you know, when you just, when you have such a wealth of basketball talent um, right in your backyard, again, you know, you you want to do everything you can to just to keep guys at home. You know, the, the, this this is definitely not the heyday of Philadelphia basketball right now. You look back into the, you know, I'd say the 80s and the 90s, sort of, you know, all the top guys, you know, went to Temple, went to Villanova, home and um we had national championship teams just really like great memorable programs um from this city and you know again you know you, we and i think now with sort of this like um uh internet culture tied to high school basketball with mm-hmm. sort of like you know with with the kind of introduction of mass media over the years and just you know the ability for for coaches to recruit nationally and even internationally uh, that gets harder to do. I, I will acknowledge that, but you know, it's it's just it's something that you know you really want to um, that you really want to see these teams strive to do. You know, you want <clears throat> you you should um, you know they really want to try to beef up their their sales pitches um, to these local guys, and uh, because it'll just be so huge for their roster. If you're able to just tap right into your home market, I mean, it saves you money in recruiting. Um, it's gonna you know it's just gonna make things a lot easier for you. You, have to, you don't have to spend as much time because you know you'll have a couple of guaranteed guys every year who are going to, you know, who are going to stay home and join your program. And that's such a huge advantage to have. Um, or, you know, you know, when we, when we get to around to LaSalle, you know, I'm, I'm going to be excited to talk about sort of an interesting little uh, recruiting trend that they have. I'll save that for, for a later date. Um, but yeah, I think it's great that um, they're, they're, you know, finally able to get that guy again, you know, in, in Miller, again, you know, a friend of the program, really excited to see him, um, get this opportunity and you know, wish him nothing but the best. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be the type of guy who can maybe sort of set that standard again. And there's a new McKee era, you know, hopefully things will be, you know, sort of local centric and, um, you know, they'll kind of be able to turn over a new page in terms of their recruiting. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely, you know, I've got a couple of solid uh, transfers coming in. You know, I talked about a little bit about transferring down before, but you know, when you get a guy like, like Tolbert, you know, you, when, you, know, you can transfer down any time and for any reason, but you can't really move up to a, a, a really a nothing of a team, nationally speaking, like Southeast Missouri State. Um, and you know, if you're Sage Tolbert to be able to transfer to a team like Temple, that means he's really, you know, he's proven himself. You know, he's yeah. and out player at a school like Southeast Missouri State. You know, to make that jump up, it's not just given to guys. So, um, yeah, that's it's that's a guy who I, you know, hope you know, if, and the, these and uh, both he and Battle. Um, are, are guys who you know? Uh, I don't believe they're they're um, like they're, the status of their transfer is still pending. So you know, maybe one, if not both, of these guys are people who we could be pleasantly surprised about. You know, who could be granted um, immediate eligibility. Who could we even see next year? But yeah, I mean, yeah. Gilbert's a guy who I don't know a ton about, but just you know, just by virtue of the fact that he's coming from such a small school, you know, it lets you know that he was able to shine there, and. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. He's got good size on him. 
and you know a guy like battle too you know i i, I remember seeing you know bits and pieces of his game in high school and um you know again another jersey guy another uh, um, back from a big school here so you know hopefully um that was you know a good experience for him and he, you know learned a lot about Butler and he's um, he's ready to sort of compete in these, uh, in like, you know, these big games and important, uh, you know, contests against like better competition. So, um, you know, you know, those are two guys I'm excited for and I'm excited for the incoming freshman as well. All right. Good stuff. Uh, so you say you want to talk about, you want to do LaSalle next? Um, I was thinking if you're leaving it up to me, I was thinking maybe we do St. Joe's next. I think that would be an interesting one. All right. So, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, we'll get yeah. on. Uh, we'll get on St. Joe's next, and then we'll follow it up with uh, I guess LaSalle, and then do Drexel Penn to, to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, we can talk. Yeah, we can talk. We're you know later on, but yeah, I mean that's for for now. That sounds good. Uh, you know, fine with me. All right, sounds good. Thanks again, Josh, for hopping on. Uh, any last any last second comments on Temple going forward? Um. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, it's going to be a tough year going forward for Temple. Uh, this is more of a long-term project. But, you know, the good thing is Aaron McKee has all new coaches, especially ones that come from within the program. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's going to get some time. Um, he's going to have a few years to, you know, kind of turn this thing around. If you're a Temple fan, I wouldn't necessarily expect a whole lot, um, you know, this season immediately. But, you know, just know this is a work in progress. And, you know, I think as we touched on with the recruiting here, I think they're going in the right direction. I, I, I yeah. see a lot of signs. And McKee's a guy that I have a lot of faith in. I hope he can be the um, uh, the, the Penny Hardaway of Philadelphia. And, you know, uh-huh. kind of, uh, you know, just be a guy who can come in right away. And just his presence, you know, around the program will, um, uh, you know, attract some guys to uh, some big names to come in. Um, you know, I, that's, that's something that I'm hopeful for. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the future of Temple basketball. I think McKee uh, is definitely going to help out in the recruiting. That's that's the biggest. That's the biggest thing for Philadelphia basketball. Keep keep the good recruits home. And I think yeah, I like he's got got the upper leg on all the other kind of schools besides Villanova to do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Okay. What thanks again. For... No, I was saying thanks again for having me. All right. Uh, supporting uh, Beef Up Front. All right, yeah. Follow us on uh, Instagram, Twitter. We're gonna be dropping some long sleeve shirts soon, so keep an eye out for those. Uh, and thanks again for the support, guys. Uh, look forward to uh, doing St. Joe's next. Have a good one. Okay.